we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our emergency freedom alerts for October 16th, 2023. The next video I have entitled Demon Possessed Muslims Preparing for Jihad Against the Non-Muslims. Warning, this is happening now on our soil. So I had several listeners send me this video and I'm just going to uh, play some of the high points of it. Uh, let's go. It's to worry about and this thing is acclimating, getting worse by the hour and by the day. You've got flyers going around for today. We're talking about marches, protests happening here in the United States. Friday, October 13th, 3 p.m., International Day of Action for Palestine. Broadway, BTW, 41st Street South and 42nd Street. Stand with Gaza, unequivocally bring flags, signs, and kefiyes, whatever that is. Here's another one, call to action, Flood City Hall. Alderman it was actually called the International Day of Jihad, meaning Holy War. Uh, this past Friday the 13th, which is also an occult holiday, and it was also the 13th of October, which is another occult holiday. It is the numbers uh, 3 1, well, 13 is the number of rebellion, but October 31st, Halloween, okay, well, it is a, you reverse the numbers and it's 13. And it's also the month of October, you got, you know, the witching month and the whole nine yards. So it was, it was a, it was an occult holiday from many, many angles. Silverstein is trying to pass anti-Palestinian resolution. We cannot allow this show up and block the resolution. October 13th, 1 p.m., support Palestine. Now, there's a lot of underlying things, but the fact of the matter is, these groups of people are mostly military-aged men, not happy, and ready to fight. You think this is friendly? Follow this guy on Telegram, Amir. And you think this isn't gonna get serious? Check this out, just in, not even reported yet. From Amir Safardi, he's someone I follow on Telegram. He's got over 400,000 subscribers. He says in Chicago, not released yet. Palestinian walked into a Jewish center and shot the receptionist. Now I haven't validated that, but so far this guy is putting it out before anyone else. Now I don't know if there's good Palestinians out there and bad Palestinians. Palestinians, but the ones that we're dealing with, I'm assuming are the bad ones because some of the raw footage that I've watched that I can't play on here, what they're doing to little ones, what they're doing to mothers, what they're doing to mothers carrying little ones is absolutely horrific. And I've been doing this for since Islam's been in existence. We're going to get into that a little bit more uh, later. We're going to just touch on that as well. I think anyone that stands for anything good would be doing any of those actions. Numerous casualties of innocent people. And like I said, whatever or whoever these people are, are now bringing it to the streets in front of our homes. And it's getting real, real fast. Brand new, a Jewish school in Queens, New York is closing on Friday after former Hamas chief Khaled Mashal called for a global day of jihad. In response to Palestinian aggression, all New York City police officers have been told to report if, like I said, if if they were to, <laughs> let's say Israel would move on the Alaska Mosque, on the Temple Mount, you can multiply the outrage right now times a thousand probably. They it will be unlike anything you've ever seen. If they start the full ground invasion of Gaza. You know, I'm getting mixed things on that right now. Are they going to do it? Are they not? I, I don't know. I don't know. But that by itself is going to kick off a lot of different things. But there is so many things Israel could do to multiply this times 
And again, this is what could bring us into World War III. In uniform on Friday, the NYPD. Everyone is being called out for this right now. And you think this is pointed in just the direction of Israel? You're wrong. This is pointed towards basically every American that thinks the way you and I do. All Christians and basically any Caucasian or white people. And wait till I show you this clip after this one. This one by Nick Sorter on Twitter. Global Day of Jihad declares on Friday down further. Um, it shows. Former Hamas chief Khalid called for a global day of jihad and said Muslims should show anger on Friday and send a message of rage to Zionists and to America. What? And these people and groups are on our streets right now in high numbers. It says right here from the NYPD, officers are expecting civil unrest. New York City has seen increasingly aggressive protests in support of the Palestine over the past several days. Down further, it says Floridians are armed. We won't be intimidated. Some people are warning that Americans stay indoors on Friday, and Israel government is warning Jews around the world to stay away from protests. Be weary on Friday. And you think this is just going to end on Friday? They get away with this, this thing's going to ramp up real hard. Now, before I show you this next clip that'll give you a really good sense of how these people are, I want to warn you, please, if you're in a city area, if you're in an area where any of these protests are happening, I highly suggest, unless you're looking for a fight, to stay out of the way. I don't know how unraveled unglued this type of situation could get but i'm suspecting the anger and the rage coming from this group and the level of beliefs behind these people and what they're capable of doing without any feeling whatsoever there's no compassion over the idea of a human life young or old male or female empathy with these people were checked at the door a long time ago these are images of them firing missiles near the gaza strip right. over and over they don't care where these missiles exactly hit. they don't care who gets hit in the crossfire exactly. and when it comes to us and they've been doing this for decades indiscriminately launching missiles from palestine or the gaza strip or wherever and in into israel indiscriminately they don't care who they hit as long as it's killing are terrorizing the Israelis. Okay. That has been going on for decades. And that's just one of the atrocities they commit on a daily basis, essentially, all over the world. On our streets where these protests are, I'm sure the same principle applies. They don't care who gets in the way. Now, check this out. This is right down in front of the Congress Hotel. But listen to the verbiage. Listen to the attitude coming from these people. And then take in mind that this is on This is in America. Streets. Tell me that I need to condemn the riots. That I need to condemn the looting. And I tell them... I condemn the police. Okay, so they they need to, they were being told they need to condemn the riots and the looting or or whatever's going on over there and he said blank that he's only going to condemn uh the I'm sure the is, Israel and their response even though they did stand down and let them have it their way for a little bit of time and again all by design on purpose but uh, there's nothing you could ever do to appease Islam in general because of what i got into last week it's the eradication and the hatred for the jews and the christians and the infidels in general meaning a non-believer in islam is never going to go away it is baked in to their devil death cult religion okay so it's part of the way they practice their religion and that will that will never change unless maybe the antichrist comes along and claims to be the Imam Mahdi, their awaited savior. And 
he gives them some new edicts. Now, basically coming again, like the Bible predicts, as a man of peace. Like he's going to have all the answers. That is the only way I could see that changing. So now, now as Palestinians are resisting, I will not condemn the way that Palestine resists. Yeah. I condemn Israel. I condemn the United States. He won't condemn all the indiscriminate um, rockets they've been fired into Israel for decades and decades and decades. And all the suicide bombers that, that go into cafes in Israel and blow themselves up and kill innocent Israel. No, they, they they won't condemn any of that or all the other atrocities they commit. They'll, they'll never condemn that. They love it. I condemn white supremacy. White supremacy. He sounds like some kind of woke, you know, whatever saying that. I condemn imperialism and I condemn colonialism. Oh, yeah. Because you're such a voice of a bastion of moral... Um, supremacy that you you have this ability to go in and judge the whole world like your devil death cult is some wonderful puritanical thing that everyone should aspire to people can tell what it is but they didn't say it there you go condemn the united states they're on our streets telling us that you guys don't think that this is a big deal it's a huge deal can you go anywhere Do but they, they've been doing that for years I mean, they've been, they've, again, it's baked into their, their religion. Israel and see American flags flying left and right. Do you go to Ukraine and see American flags flying left and right? Despite bad leadership, the country that comes in and saves the day, the place that everyone wants to go, yet. Not always <laughs> saving the days. I think he needs to get the, the memo in the military industrial complex, but yeah. No one will fly our flag in other countries, yet you go and see this, you see all of these flags flying with disgrace on the United States, on our soil. I'm telling you, people need to wake up to this. This is getting way, way out of hand. And this is happening all over the world. Is this some kind of big takeover? How about our friends up in Canada, Quebec, right here in Montreal? <laughs> October 8th, Montreal. It's again all the Palestinian people marching. Or in support of the Palestinians. These are angry people wanting to fight. In yeah, fact, you can go on social media sites like old Ticker Talker and watch street brawls right now between one side and another. You don't think this isn't going to blow up. I swear, this is a ticking time bomb about to blow up. And like I said, these aren't peaceful protesters that you would see at maybe a rally that's been condemned in the recent years that are, you know, the patriotic folks that come out in families and are super peaceful about the good and making America great. These guys look like an angry military look islamic marchers marching through sydney australia just they just look like demon possess a demon possessed horde which is what they are How is this going to affect? I mean, these are these are savages. These are savages, and they haven't even been activated yet. Like I said, if they if when the day comes, I I believe when Israel makes its move on the Temple Mount on the Alaska Mosque, so they can rebuild the Third Temple, because I don't see any other way around that unless 
whatever. Oh, man. And that's just one of the things that could really send them all into outer space. And this is happening today, somewhere around one o'clock. Hopefully I get this video out in time to warn people, but it's not going to stop today. They're just rubbing up the engines. Like I said, all over the world. How about our friends in Australia? Some large protesting crowd in the streets of Sydney, Australia. Um, 13th, this was Friday the 13th. It's all Palestinian supporters with their flying their flags. Same behavior. And again, to get the full, obviously, you're going to have to watch this in order to. I give you the link though. with it. The Prime Minister has actually said today that he didn't think this protest should go ahead. The Zionist Federation, uh, in fact, sorry, the Jewish Board of Deputies has circulated an email that came through from police this afternoon warning Jewish residents of Sydney not to be in the CBD and the circular key uh, throughout this protest this afternoon. Uh, so in that sense, this is really unusual. Unusual for sure. When we thought in America that we're safe from the possible war that's happening over there how safe are we they're marching our streets condemning them along with the united states for supporting israel now you could believe one way or another the fact of the matter is the american people along with the israelis being told to stay home stay in your home that's not safe and if it's getting that bad y'all need to take it seriously this is on our streets a lot of people projecting this is gonna get way out of hand and with that open border policy so many people came across the border we don't know who they were but we noticed that there's a lot like look right here chicago oh, they're still pouring over Okay, so this is Chicago. I mean, can they do anything but scream like demon possessed banshees? I, I I don't know. They're just funny that way, I guess. So resistance is justified anywhere that Palestine resides. And it looks like there's a lot of that. And they can do whatever they want. They can kill, steal, rape, pillage, do whatever they want. They don't want there to be any repercussions. And if you do anything against them, then they're going to go nuts and crazy and say, you know, the infidels need to die and we need to have... But again, they want wholesale slaughter. They want to drive Israel into the sea. They want to kill all the Christians and in, in the non-infidels. They're, they're, they're not a people you can reason with, is the whole point. And I think I made that point abundantly clear last week. With all the things that they do in their religion. All the really sick, twisted sexual stuff that they do. And they don't have any problem with. Let me tell you, talk about having your minds darkened, like the Bible talks about. You're dealing with somebody that's a sick, twisted, sexual pervert, and this is generational I mean, a gigantic percentage of these people are inbred, guys. They're, they're, I just watched a whole video on it this week. Um, a large percentage of the Muslims, particularly in that region, are inbred. Okay, they're, they're, they're 
you know, they're having kids with their sisters and their cousins and all this other stuff. God forbids that for a reason. And when you have that dynamic going on, you're going to have a very, very, very unhinged, unstable population with an extremely, at least in that population, extremely low IQ. And this is why the Bible um, condemns this practice. Okay. And then the demons at play when you're inbreeding and this type of stuff. I'm not saying they all are, but you know, it is, it's a problem. So let's go forward. Okay. Going forward here. Um, Islamic terrorists have carried out more than 44,094. And I don't even, this is, I don't even know if this is counting like the last two weeks. Islamic terrorists have carried out more than 44,094 deadly terrorist attacks since 9-11. Only 44,094. How many have Christians carried out? How many, dare I say, have even uh, the Jews? They, they don't want to live like this. The, the, the rank and file Jew does not want to live like this. They've I've seen the interviews. It's not like they have the same exact hatred that Islam has for them. It's not, I don't believe it's really baked into their, their religion like it is Islam, okay? And now I understand you could go, okay, well, the top level people, and sure, okay, maybe the top level rep, maybe the top level Kabbalists, this type of stuff. But then, then again, they're also going around and creating Hamas, you know? So, um, 44, over 44,000 terrorist attacks since 9-11. TheReligionOfPeace.com. There is no other black death cult on the face of the planet that does this to this extent. Not even close. Note, this is not an updated, this is not updated to reflect what Hamas just did in Israel recently. This is a list of killings in the name of Islam in just the last 30 days. This is part of the list of killings in the name of Islam maintained by the religionofpeace.com. Most of these incidents are terror attacks. A handful are honor, a quote, honor killings. That's when you go and your daughter uh, doesn't have her headscarf on or something and uh one of her beekeeper suits or she doesn't have she's seen with a man walking in the street near him that she wasn't supposed to be with well then you go and you just kill your daughter that's another thing they do yes kill her how could you be that wicked and evil and soulless where that it's just the littlest thing you would kill your daughter in a incredibly evil wicked brutal way because they've brought dishonor on the family so the only way to get the honor back is to kill her brutally and without mercy and the moms are in on it and the dads and the brothers and everything else doesn't really apply to the boys i mean evidently you know well they, they can have sex with goats and little boys and do all the fun fun stuff they do i'm not saying it's fun but for them it is that's fine that's fine but the girls have to get their gen their little genitals mutilated at the early earliest possible age with razor blades with no anesthesia. Can remember doing the one on that. Yeah. If you pay extra, you can get a fresh razor blade on the report I saw. And it show it showed the picture of one of these little girls, her face. Can, can you you're doing this to a child. This is how demon infested these wicked devils are. 
They do this to their own children. There's, there's no, there's nothing like Islam on the face of the planet. And I will not recant. I, I've done more, probably more teachings on Islam than just about any other religion that I have ever exposed. Because of the depths of wickedness that permeates every aspect of it. During this just one month time period, uh, there were 84 Islamic attacks in 20 countries. It's just the last three days. This is not including what just happened in Israel. 84 attacks in 20 different countries. Okay. In which 1,708 people were killed. This is what they know about. And over 4,000 injured. Can you imagine if there was a group of Christians doing this on the planet? How it would be all over the news every single day, nonstop on how wicked and evil the Christians... But the, but the is Islamists, the Muslims, do it every single month. Month in, month out, day in, day out. Have done it for decades, over decades, over decades. And yeah, you'll get some blips in the news here and there. But you know, hey, when you're aligned with Satan, when you're his baby, then he takes care of his own. And he's going to have the, ma the mainstream mass media back off you. And eh, you're not going to hear about this kind of stuff. And so many of these, these attacks are against Christians. Well, that doesn't, what does that matter? Christians need to die, right? According to, you know, Luciferian and Satanic and Muslim doctrine. So they're not going to really report on that. All they're going to do is talk about the poor persecuted Muslims and how horribly persecuted they are and what a terrible life they live just because of the Christians and the Jews and this type of stuff. Now, remember, I'm, I'm, I acknowledge that Israel stood down, let them come across. They did create Hamas. <laughs> um, I'm trying to have balance, in other words. So here's the list of terror attacks. Okay, so there's there's links I give you in the PDF. List of terrorist attacks. You can click on the year 2023, their, their own individual link, 2023, all the way to 2001. If you want to see a detailed list of what, the, what like, oh, anybody can... Uh, throw out whatever. Oh, a lot of people keep track of this. A lot of people. List of killings in the name of Islam in the year 2023. Okay. Um, in total, what they were at least uh, up until this point, and this is not including what just happened in Israel. Okay. Um, there were... 1,354 Islamic attacks in 46 countries up until now in 2023. 8,207 8, people were killed and 79, uh, almost 8,000 injured. So they try, to, they try to kill whenever they can. They, they would rather you not just be injured. They want to kill you. Okay. But that's, you know, it's fine because it's Islam and it's, it's protected satanically so here's here's a whole list you can click on any and it gives you each each attack where it occurred the date it occurred what happened not making this stuff up why america's schools are at risk from an attack like occurred on israel on 10 7 joining me now is john giddock he is author of the book when terror returns the history and future of terrorist mass hostage sieges I had him on a few months ago. I've been interviewing I mean, him. This is a thick book this guy authored here on, on this particular subject. 2008. 
Uh, Terror at Bazlan, a Russian tragedy with lessons for America's schools. John, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, sir. John, uh, we were just showing some video footage or before you got on that Hamas has put out. It looks like uh, they're kind of mimicking perhaps the uh, deserts of Arizona with drones going into Arizona or the deserts of Texas with drones going into Texas. And they are using these drones with uh, uh, bombs on them to attack a crowd. They've got cardboard people set up that they attack. And there is the, the uh, theory that maybe they're sending a message on how they're going to do some of their attacking before they do other things. But they clearly are going after crowds uh, when they do this demo with these cardboard cutouts. Uh, they clearly went after young people in Israel, a young person's festival. 260 bodies have been recovered from that site. So they have no qualms going after these young people. They went after families house by house, slaughtering these children. We have not brought you the footage. Which, again, they've done this behavior for years. For years, they've indiscriminately also fired rockets into Israel for decades and decades and decades, just hoping they'll hit somebody or at bare minimum terrorizing the population. They don't care who they hit as long as they're killing someone that is an Israelite. Some of those families slaughtered in their homes, and we may bring it to you, but we're debating because it is so graphic. But again, if the media continues to defend Defend Hamas, we will play those videos. Uh, I know the videos are being scrambled, as I said, by many of the networks. So far, we have not. But we have not played this one because of the nature of its complete graphic, uh, pure blood. Uh, and most of them are children. So, now maybe we have the people's attention. These people will kill children in their own homes. We heard the story today of a couple who hid their 10-month-old uh, children, twins, hid them, and then they were murdered, and those twins were safely retrieved by the Israeli officials later. John, that sets up for the discussion you and I have been having. I went back in our archive. You and I have been having since 2008 that the Islamists would have no qualms attacking our schools and murdering our children. Now people maybe understand with Israel that is not hyperbole. Speak to this issue, please. Well, <clears throat> children, especially children in schools, but really children anywhere they can find them, they just happen to be able to find them in the greatest numbers on the most predictable schedules in our schools and, of course, in institutions that are largely, if not completely, unprotected. But targeting children in this fashion is something that goes all the way back in terms of just al-Qaeda, the progenitor of so much of the jihadist terrorism that we see today goes all the way back to bin Laden and his mentor, Professor Abdul Azam, at the end of the Soviet-Afghan War. In February 1989, the Soviets were packing up and leaving Afghanistan. Bin Laden and Professor Azam had created an organization called MOC that the U.S. funded to the tune of $630 million a year at its peak, and Professor Azam was the head of it. Again, bin Laden was his protege. And at the end of that war, they sort of metamorphosed Mak, Maktad al-Kidamet, into al-Qaeda. And the two of them had a bit of an argument. There was a bit of a power struggle between them. Bin Laden believed that children were not only viable targets, but noble targets and should really be focused on. They should be emphasized. 
At that point, he was creating an apocalyptic terrorist group in Al-Qaeda. Professor Azam, um, he believed in more of a utopian terrorist group, if you can combine those two words. He did not believe in targeting children. He did not believe in specifically targeting innocent women. And that struggle over Al-Qaeda ended on November 24, 1989, when Professor Azam and his sons were driving to mosque and their car accidentally blew up and obliterated them and bin Laden ascended to the ultimate power position in Al-Qaeda. And ever since then, jihadists, especially those who are following Al-Qaeda's model, uh, Al-Qaeda's call to arms, they have had absolutely no qualms about looking to target children, and again, especially children in schools. Schools have been among the most prolific terror targets in the world for right. several exactly. decades now. Yeah. So tell me what something like that looks like, unfortunately, in America, the terror at Beslan. What would that look like? They That's his book, The Terror at Beslan, John Gidlick, G-I-D-U-C-K. Over 300 adults and children the Islamists did in former Soviet Union. Uh, tell me what something like that scenario would look like in America. Are we talking one school, two, three, four, five schools at a time? It's also often referred to, quote, as the perfect day, end quote. Why is it called the perfect day? Why would they seek to do this? Oh, they're so sick. Well, the perfect day in bin Laden and some of his comrades, uh, their, their notion, their mentality is the day on which they not only launch a series of strategic level terror attacks throughout the United States, but at the same time, they have incentivized, this was their effort, every single Muslim living in America to think up his or her own terror attack. And they all get launched at once. So even if it's nothing more than taking a hammer and walking across the yard to your neighbor and back, attacking him with it right their goal was to have all of those muslims launch a terror target as far as what it looks like from all of the intel this is why if this goes down and if they trigger now i'm not i'm not saying god's not big enough to protect you i'm just saying that you need to at least be aware of this for for the sake of maybe other family members that don't have any idea about what Islam and Muslims are capable of, and, and this is just part of their dogma. This is part of what they're planning. Okay, this this the jihad is holy war, and it's done for Allah, the pagan moon god, and and it's to kill and slay and behead the infidels and subjugate them at bare minimum, subjugate them. So, like I said, if if they if they escalate this thing, and let's say it's just even. Uh, them having a ground invasion of Gaza, which, you know, I'm seeing information that that's right on the cusp of happening. Now, maybe it's not. I don't know. But a lot of them have said they're going to be all in. A lot of these other countries were coming to aid. And then that could quickly escalate into World War III. And at the same time, they would most likely trigger all the Islamic, the Islams and the Islamic terror cells, not just in America, but everywhere they're reigning to go after the christians and the uh jews and the infidels and whoever they deem needs to die that the u.s and russia that i've been able to compile that the u.s and russia has had and using bin laden as their model it really was the culmination 
of a series of evolutionary mass hostage sieges that the jihadists... But who was a CIA asset, bin Laden, okay? So, I mean, again, we control that side of the equation as well. Um, again, Hegelian dialectic problem, reaction, solution, it's, you know, classic. ...out of Chechnya, uh, again, led and trained by al-Qaeda since January 1995, that they launched on Russia, re constantly evolving their, their tactics, improving their tactics, increasing their target victim population while decreasing the number of terrorists that they needed, and also ensuring that they were going to eliminate greater numbers of the rescue forces when the battle ultimately came, if in fact it did come. So you look at you look at Beslan really as the culminating event for a, a school mass hostage siege that they have developed so far. We are aware of the fact, and and some of this is in touched on in the Beslan book, definitely goes into in great depth in the When Terror Returns book. Uh, we are aware of the fact that they have attempted to follow Al Qaeda's early model of always having four targets simultaneous attacks using the same attack methodology. That's why, for instance, we had four planes on 9-11, and there's a whole series of other attacks that, that I... 9-11, that's, that's garbage, okay? There's no way uh, a whole bunch of Muslims with box cutters flew these, you know, got these planes and, and flew them with pinpoint precision into all these different targets. There's no way that happened. Uh, key, key in 9-11 loose change, if you can still find it. I've got a gigantic document on this that totally disproves the whole 9-11 narrative um you know our government was so in on that again it's just blame it's using them sure they're they're willing to die yes they hate the infidels and they're so convenient to blame in that regard when they are even when they're not to blame they were more than willing to take the blame really <laughs> i mean they they wanted to take the blame so they're like the biggest useful idiots i guess you would call them when it comes to stuff like this whether they do it or not most of the time they want to take the blame because then you know it's they get glory and whatever all this other stuff but again 9-11 loose change you can key in 9-11 in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com I've, I've done studies on that as well list for you where you always saw that same hallmark or trademark of al-qaeda four targets simultaneously struck using a single attack methodology and the terrorists have tried to do it with two and even dabbled in the possibility of three schools and they simply mm -hmm. found that it was too difficult to impossible to pull off so if we're looking at a single school attack it is most likely going to follow exactly the, the playbook of Beslan Mm -hmm. But what they have been evolving to more recently, and we saw this in uh, Mumbai, India, in November 2008, and, and I was there in the immediate aftermath of those attacks that went on for four days in Mumbai and shut down that entire city, they're evolving to something that has been termed a symphonic attack, where unusually for Al-Qaeda and the Mumbai attack was orchestrated by a group called Let, Lashkar-e-Taiba, but it was Let's coming out declaration because it had finally joined up with Al-Qaeda once again, and it was its big 
coming out operation declaring to the world that it had ceased to be just a regional jihadist group and that had joined the greater effort to the global jihad and with that you you see a new evolution where you have limited numbers of terrorists who now are in a really rapid mobile fashion they're moving from target to target attacking a large number of targets using a large number of different attack methodologies so instead of just blowing up four buildings or instead of just taking groups of hostages they are doing things like blowing up a gas station blowing up taxis doing drive-by shootings attacking hospitals attacking restaurants attacking hotels and they learned that with those sort of mixed methodologies that they create absolute chaos for the responding forces for the the target government uh, there were only 10 of those terrorists in mumbai and the indian authorities thought that they had as many as 100 terrorists running around the city for four days doing all these things because that is the degree to which that sort of approach just sows chaos so you fast forward um from beslan to the g8 summit in saint petersburg russia in july 2006 and that was going to be their first effort at a major symphonic attack obviously on a world stage you have all the top leaders from the top eight countries top eight economic countries in the world there and they were going to attack a number of government buildings where the meetings and conferences were going to be held they were going to launch other attacks and in the midst of which they were going to launch a beslan level school siege and the russian authorities the russian intel had developed information that this was going to happen they had an agent in the trucks with the, the chechen jihadists driving the 900 miles up from chechnya and they managed to blow up the trucks with all the bombs and terrorists in it, including Shamil Basayev, who was the head of all the Chechen terrorism at the time. But it was one of those war warnings that they were shifting from previous protocols, previous attack strategies to the new symphonic attack which then they dusted off and launched in 2008 in mm. mumbai and even mumbai wasn't the first time that they were going to do that that was going to originally be executed against manhattan in july 1993 and u.s authorities u.s intel and law enforcement developed information on that one managed to prevent it so we're looking at a whole new evolution of terror attack, terror attack methodology. But in the midst of it, what we're seeing is a consistent desire to incorporate a major school mass hostage seed in the midst of everything. So in conclusion, Jonik, uh, thank you for that history and detail. That's why we bring you on. Well done. Thank you. In conclusion, then, what is your warning to this audience tonight? based on your research, your years of writing these books, and these are these are just a few of his books, What, based on what we saw just take place in Israel, based on your history, what are the warnings you have for Americans tonight? What should we be looking for? What would you expect we will be seeing? 
Well, I, I think you and I had the discussion the last time I was on your show, as you pointed out several months ago, that with the U.S. packing up and leaving Afghanistan and, of course, leaving over $7 billion in military armaments and uh, all by design, billions of dollars in cash. One of the ways they arm them is when they pull out of a country, they just leave all their all of our stuff behind, all our taxpayer bought weaponry. So that the, the terrorists will be good and well armed so that they, hey, war's, war's the biggest business on the planet. War's a racket. Okay, this is how you, you arm your enemy so that when they become, uh, they always were your enemy, but so that they're nice and well armed so they can wage a nice long war against you, which you'll have to spend billions more to deal with, whether it's then or down the road. The military, the military industrial complex then gets fed and a whole bunch of people get rich. And then they get their sacrifice, a lot of the people that die in the wake of it all to feed the military industrial complex. And those are sacrifices they view to Satan. Much of which is unaccounted for that we had just given a large country to every possible terrorist group as a safe haven to come coordinate, train, right. plan. And certainly the Afghans, the Taliban and other groups they have, or they certainly believe they have, legitimate reason to now take all of that to their advantage and come attack the United States, uh, as they have been wanting to do for a long time. But with U.S. troops in other countries, Islamic code doctrine says first they have to defend holy lands of Islam before they can then go deal with the aggressors against Islam, what has really delayed a lot of this, and, and again, you have to realize that so much of this is, is coordinated. This is a network of organization and communication and planning. Everybody talks about Iran certainly being the major funder of Hamas, which it is, and a significant funder of Hezbollah, which it is. But you also have Iran all the years the United States. And so are we. He forgot America. I think he's leaving that little thing out just like israel created hamas and this type of stuff and that osama bin laden was a cia asset i don't know if he's gonna i don't know if he's too sis boom ba rah 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 to get into that because that that really delves over to the level of being politically incorrect and could get you in hot water as an author but i will say it i mean we talk, we've been talking about it this whole time it's not a mystery it's not a, it's not a secret if you scratch below the surface it was in afghanistan iran was the joker in the deck it was on the the West border, and it was the one causing so many problems for the U.S. and other coalition forces. So Iran now, of course, is tied in with China and Russia, and increasingly so many of these other groups, all of which it will use as proxies to affect its ultimate goals. And so what has slowed them down so much is the fact that a number of these terrorist groups that went to Afghanistan have not been getting along. They have had issues. And I think those issues are being resolved. I think Iran is taking trouble in satanic paradise. I don't believe it. Increasing control over all of it, much as Al Qaeda used to. And they're finally getting their act together and they're starting to develop and execute their plans to go after what their primary targets are. Israel obviously is an easy one to strike. They don't have the logistical problems that they do getting to the United States, but certainly that is going to be their goal. Mm. And 
people in the U.S., I think we have just entered a period of mm, anticipation uh, of necessary preparedness and awareness for a series of terror attacks that I think are definitely in, in the planning, if not in the actual early operational stages at this point. That That is just my speculation, having watched all of this for a number of decades. Well, it's now. a very educated theory, and folks, that's why we brought him on. You should get the book, Terror at Beslan, A Russian Tragedy with Lessons for America's Schools, When Terror Returns, The History and Future of Terrorist Mass Hostage Sieges. Again, you can get these books. Where can they get these books? What's your website, John? You know, I don't. I don't really have a website. Okay, so he he gets in all that. Anyway, let's go forward here. I got a lot more to cover. Uh, longtime listener, um, Patricia, she says, "Do you have a file on Chuck Baldwin?" And she said, "Do you have a file on him? If so, I'd like to see it. I was just sent the craziest document from his ministry. It was forwarded to her from Chuck Baldwin's ministry." And she says, he is a wicked, lying, Palestinian shill. Yeah, well, I agree. And I'm going to explain to you why I agree in a sec. She says, I have no idea how Christians can be this deceived. Really, I don't understand it. They need to see this as part of the agenda to get the entire world to hate the Jews. And they have bought it into it hook, line, and sinker. And these so-called ministers of the gospel are an important reason they believe this. Meaning Chuck Baldwin. I am not interested in anything Chuck Baldwin has to say after what I read today. Oddly enough, two-thirds of all the Jewish people will die in the tribulation because they will not repent. I'm going to get into those Bible verses after this. So yes, many of their number are evil now, meaning many of the Jews are evil. Two-thirds of them are going to die in the tribulation. One-third will be tried to silver um, and be brought through the tribulation, and we're going to look at those Bible verses, okay? Now, I've done two different studies where I talked about old Chuck Baldwin. Uh, Emergency Freedom Alert 524-21, where my reply to the Israel situation and what does Pastor Chuck Baldwin believe about Israel? The answer may shock you. Okay. And then I did another one on 524-21 Part 2. And I give you the links here to these, or you can just key in Chuck Baldwin. You'll probably be able to find them. And... Um, I talk, here's, here's some of the tables of content. Chuck Baldwin now teaches replacement theology and preterism. And he does not believe in the regathered Israel. Evidently, he believes in replacement theology, meaning um, Christians of his ilk that believe like he do, believes, evidently, or maybe he'd say all Christians. Um, they've, they've all the Bible verses that were clearly pertaining to Israel in the New Testament None of that applies to Israel. That only applies to evidently Christians now. Now, I get into the whole thing about replacement theology and um, this thing called supersessionism and preterism. I get into that in detail in this study. I don't want to recover all of that. Okay. But it is a lot of people believe this now. A lot of people that have a lot of just rank, just hatred for the Jews and maybe. Some that are full of pride thinking, well, I would rather those verses apply to me, even though they don't. They're, they're literally talking about the literal bloodline Israelites. Well, they've taken them upon themselves. Well, in order to do that, you have to kind of get rid of Israel. You kind of have to say, well, they don't really exist anymore. Um, we've replaced them. 
I believe in preterism, meaning the stuff that happened basically in Revelation that happened with when the um, temple was destroyed, 70 A.D. And um, so, therefore, I mean, it is a mess. It is a absolute mess of a theological nightmare. Preterism, supersessionism, replacement theology. I believe a lot of it's rooted in pride. A lot of it's rooted in hatred toward Israel. And um, I get into that in these studies. I, part of it, I talked about the heresy of replacement theology and supersessionism. And then also, my Bible study, is God done with the Jews? No, he's not. Um, all Bible. Okay, all Bible. Then, Chuck Baldwin is a false teacher. Then, preterism, debunked and warning. And then, the folly of preterism. Okay, so I cover a lot of ground in these two teachings. You know, I don't want to debate anybody on this. This is what he believes. I just quoted right from Chuck Baldwin. Okay, I just, it's his own words condemn him. It's not like he's trying to hide it. I don't, I haven't even seen what Patricia was talking about, but I can only imagine as much vitriol and hatred as he has toward them. I can only even imagine. I mean, you, you saw the reaction it got with her. Well, it, it doesn't surprise me because that's how people get when they believe in replacement theology and preterism. It's justified in their eyes, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, so is God done with the Jews? No, not according to the Bible. Now, when Patricia said that two thirds of them are going to die in the tribulation, here's the verses she's drawing from to get that correct conclusion. And regarding nearing the end of the seven year tribulation, Zechariah 13, one says in that day shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So Zechariah 13 is the, what they're talking about here is the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Okay, so the, the Israelites, the Jews. For the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Next verse, verse 2. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and there shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. So God is going to this is near the end of the tribulation. God is going to start dealing with the um, bloodline Jews in the land of Israel. And he is going to start cutting off the idols and getting rid of the false prophets and this type of stuff. Now, if we go forward to verse 8, Zechariah 13, verse 8, and this is kind of the conclusion of what ends up happening as a result of all that. And it shall come to pass that on all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but a third shall be left therein. So two-thirds of the Jews, because this is to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, two parts of them are going to be cut off and die. Two-thirds of the Jews are going to die near the end of the tribulation. and um, But a third shall be left therein. Verse 9, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried. This is the trying process of becoming a Christian, essentially, okay? And they shall call on my name, and I will hear them, and I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. So they're finally going to come back to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ after, you know, since 33 AD, essentially, where they collectively rejected Jesus on the cross, and they said, give us Barabbas the murderer, crucify Jesus, when they were asked, well, well, don't you want um, Jesus to be set free as it was custom in those days? And they're like, no, 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 no. 
Crucify Jesus, give us Barabbas the murderer. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Let the blood of Jesus Christ be upon us and our children, meaning the, the murder of him, okay? Because they called for this. I did a whole teaching called The Biblical Reason for the Affliction of the Jews, or Israel, just key in biblical affliction. You'll find it. It is not anti-Semitic. It is not, it is balanced biblically is what it is. I am looking at both sides of the Bible or, or all sides of the Bible regarding this particular subject. I think it's incredibly important to always have biblical balance. Okay. So um, then if we want to get further clarification on this whole thing that's happening when God's going to bring them through the fire and they're going to be refined and they're going to call on the name of the Lord and they will say it is my people and they should say the Lord is my God. Well, then we have to go back to a chapter before that in Zechariah 12.1 where we read the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord. So this is for Israel. This is from God, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. Okay, now again, this is more toward the end of the tribulation here. Okay, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the people. And all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Now you can imagine, and I... When they blow up or when they get rid of that Alaska mosque, I think that's going to probably happen prior to the start of the tribulation. Can you imagine? And if, if Israel does prevail in that, and there's no way Israel's going to be wiped out, out of the land right now. There's no way. I mean, they may, they may have to undergo a ton of uh, war and death and this type of stuff. But they're not going to be, regathered Israel is not going to be put out of that land. Not from a biblical standpoint. Okay. Um, can you imagine the hatred and vitriol though, if they get rid of the Alaska Mosque so they can rebuild the third temple properly? You can understand why why Jerusalem, especially with the, with the Muslim community, would be a burdensome stone. Okay. And they that burden themselves with it shall be cut to pieces. Though all the people that are shall be gathered together against it. Um, then we go to verse eight, Zechariah 12, verse eight in that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David and the house of David. If you're like, if you're like of the house of David, they shall be as God. Like they're going to be supernaturally like strengthened. Okay. Even the feeble will be, will be as David in that day. When God defends, there's going to be a lot of supernatural stuff going on. Um, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. Next verse. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour, now this isn't next week, okay? This is, like I said, near the end of the tribulation. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Who do they pierce? Jesus Christ. They pierced his hands. They pierced his feet. The Roman centurion pierced his side. And that was basically a direct result of what the Jews called for. 
when they could have had Barabbas the murderer and now they said put Jesus up on the cross and okay they shall look upon me whom they've pierced meaning Israel the house of David will finally finally get their collective eyes opened where does it talk about that in the New Testament well it says that blindness has happened in part to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. They have been blinded from the moment they said, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. A collective blindness has fallen. Now, I understand the apostles were Jewish and there was many Jewish converts after that, but I'm talking about from a collective standpoint. The majority of Jews rejected Jesus as their savior. Okay. Um, some didn't it says blindness in part so in part okay not all but most has happened to the israelites until the fullness of the gentiles come in and that was when the emphasis shifted over to the gentiles and we've been in that emphasis on the gentiles up until this point when the fullness of the gentiles come in some say it's going to be like basically at the start of the or, or right before the tribulation starts. You know, I, I I don't know exactly the full timing on that. I think there's we could speculate. But anyway, um, they're still blind. So we, so we know that the fullness of the Gentiles hasn't come in, though. We, we do know that collectively they're still blind. Um, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. OK, now jesus christ is referred to as the word okay and he's writing this okay and he, when he says i will pour out my this is jesus christ talking i will pour upon the house of david and upon the inhabitants of jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications okay and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son just like jesus was the only son of god the father Okay. They will, as one that mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. They're finally going to get their eyes opened. A third of them, and they're going to be tried as fire, be brought through the furnace, and purified, and they're going to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally! But that's when it goes down. And that, you know, that's even a ways off from now. I mean, on the timeline, I guess it's not very much. I mean, we're like 1159, you know, midnight's the whatever. So, but yeah, it's been a long time coming. And then, then we look at like Romans 1111. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Okay. What is the context? The context of they are is in reference to the unbelieving jews okay have they stumbled that they should fall the bible says god forbid so people like good old chuck baldwin that goes in there and says well we're we, all these uh, the jews have been done away with and we're israel now and you get in all that british israelism there's all kind of cults out there that basically claim there the 12 lost 12 tribes there's the black hebrew israelites there's british israelism there i mean there's more than it's all rooted in pride really if you ask me have they stumbled that that they should fall god forbid meaning no god forbid that the jews have stumbled that they would fully fall 
but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. Remember, blindness of part has happened in Israel, unto the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Okay. To provoke them to jealousy. Verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. Now, he was the apostle of the Gentiles, but he was not a Gentile. If by any means, and he, this was Paul, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh. Meaning he was a Jew. He was trying to provoke the other Jews to jealousy um, because they're his flesh. Okay, they're, they're, he's a Jew like they are. And might save some of them. For if by the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first the for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, be broken off, meaning Jesus is the true vine. Okay. As a the he came to his own and his own received him not. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. He came to his own and his own received him not. For the most part at least. But they were meant to be the original branches in this wild olive tree. This the, the true vine being Jesus Christ is talked about there in John 15. Okay? If son of the branches be broken off, meaning the unbelieving Jews, and thou, being a wild olive tree, like a like a saved Gentile like me, okay, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, and remember, Jesus is this, he is he is our the the vine that we have to abide in. He is this olive tree that we need to abide in but we as most of my listeners i'm sure are unsaved or were not unsaved but they're they're gentiles that got saved that is likened to being a wild olive tree that was grafted in to the true vine okay if all this has basically happens boast not against the branches meaning boast not against the the branches that were actually he came to first he came to his own and his own received him not. Okay? He went to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But we're not supposed to boast against the Israelites that are unbelieving and are not saved. We're not supposed to do that like guys like Chuck Baldwin and so many others do. And we're shed even have a hatred toward them. Okay? Boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root. Not the root, but the root thee. Thou will then say the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. See, that's pride. They would go so far as to say, well, God did away with the Jews so that I might be grafted in because I'm so great and he's God's lucky to have me. Basically, that's what that verse means. And I mean, I can't even imagine going there in my mind. I'm just grateful I got saved, okay? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? His death, burial, and resurrection, his finished work on the cross, okay? Meaning, don't get prideful and full of yourself because you know of the unbelieving uh jews that were the original branches but they were broken off that we could be grafted in but don't boast against them don't don't glory in that that's horrible why would you want to do that anyway boast not against the branches um 
that will then say the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Oh, Lord have mercy. No, don't ever say that. And then next verse, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. Yes, because of unbelief. In thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, meaning prideful, but fear. Okay. Um, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Now, let me go back here. John 1.10. He, meaning Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 11, John 1, verse 11. He came unto his own, meaning the Jews, or the Israelites, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, praise the Lord Jesus Christ, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Bible says, if you be in Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, meaning like an Israelite, and heirs according to the promise. We may not be a bloodline Abrahamite, we may not be a bloodline Jew, but we are considered in God's eyes Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There's no reason to be jealous of the Jews. Okay? Just praise God for your salvation and that he had mercy on you and that the Holy Spirit drew you because without the Holy Spirit drawing you, you're not going to get saved. So, um, all right, going further. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity, meaning the unbelieving Jews, but on thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. Man, that doesn't sound too good. Continue in, you know, finish the work, finish the race. It's not that you're saved by works, okay, but you continuing and finishing the race is evidence of your faith. It is evidence of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Not giving up is evidence of that. Um, I mean, the Bible says they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Also says, pray that you're accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this earth and to stand before the son of man. Jesus Christ said that. So there's a lot of verses that pertain to this. Um, then verse 23, Romans 11, verse 23. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, meaning the the unbelieving Jews, if they abide not in unbelief, still not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. Well, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I want the Jews to get saved. I want as many people as possible to get saved. That should be what we all want. I mean, I think, <laughs> you know, for God is able to graft them in again. Amen. Praise the Lord. Last verse, 24. For if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, or wild olive tree grafted into the true vine, okay, and were grafted in contrary to the nature unto a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, meaning they were actually, God came to his own, his own received him not. He came to them first, okay. How much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Yeah, amen. Amen. And then, okay, and then let's counterbalance it with this. 
What does the Bible say about the Jews or any other race being better than another? So this is the total polar opposite. This is the biblical balance of those verses and these verses. And I believe this is how the Bible says we should view the Israelites. Okay, I don't really, I don't know if I have enough time to get through all these, but um, Galatians 3, 26 through 29, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, you belong to him. Then you're Abraham's seed. Abraham, the father of the Jewish race. And heirs according to the promise. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be what, you know, the type of thing we focus on when thinking about Israelites. And ourselves. It clears a lot of stuff up, if you ask me. <laughs> you know, it clears a lot of stuff up. Um, again, it says it kind of another reiteration here. Colossians 1, 3, 1, in verse... Uh, Verse 1 and 11, if ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, wherein Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, here we go again, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay, so then we go further. Um, Okay, so beware of dog. Okay, uh, Philippians 3, 2 through 8. Paul said in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 2 through 8, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. What's the concision? Webster's 1828 defines concision literally meaning a cutting off. Hence, in Scripture, the Jews or those who adhere to circumcision which after our Savior's death was no longer a seal of the covenant, but a mere cutting of the flesh. But they turned it into something evidently you had to do in order to be saved according to them. Okay, so they were adding works to the whole process of whatever they consider to be salvation. Again, Paul said in Philippians 3, 2-8, through Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Meaning those saying you have to be circumcised in order to, you know, whatever. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I mean, we, have, we don't have confidence in our own works to get us into heaven, essentially. Okay. Um, and then he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for of whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung 
that I may win Christ. So all those, these accolades he had of being a Hebrew of Hebrews and all the stuff, he counted them for nothing, that he may win Christ. Again, um, oh, okay, and this is the last one. Romans 11, verses 25 through 28. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, meaning you don't want let pride to come into you, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And I believe that blindness is going to end near the end of the tribulation, according to what Zechariah 12 and 13 talk about. Okay? That's where I think it's going to really happen. Um, I, I mean, if it happened like before the abomination of desolation, that wouldn't make sense because then people would be mass converting. Jews would be mass converting to Christianity. That doesn't make a lot of sense in relation to what the Antichrist is going to try to do in Israel and this type of stuff. No, it makes more sense if it happens more toward the end. Okay. Um, and so all Israel shall be saved. Well, the one third that get that. Two-thirds will be cut off and, and killed. The Bible says in Zechariah 13, it's very clear. But one-third will be saved. And at that point, it will be all of Israel that is left. Okay. All Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is the cov my covenant unto them. Now, this is hearkening basically to Zechariah 12 and 13. This is basically a confirmation of those verses I just read you. For this is my covenant with them when I shall take away their sins as concerning the gospel, at least for right now, they, meaning the Israelites, are enemies for your sakes. Now I'm adding some words in here. I'm, they, I added in the Israelites. I just want to clarify that. They are enemies for your sakes, but it's touching the election, meaning the elect, the, the saved, the, the, those that should be saved. Okay. They are beloved for the father's sake. See, God is not done with the Jews. They're still beloved in God's eyes. Okay? So take heed, be not high-minded, like Chuck Baldwin and so many others who have just collectively thrown them all under the bus and love to look, oh, preterism's real and supersessionism's real and replacement theology's real. This is how I justify this. I'm like, man, that is some seriously unbiblical garbage you're believing in order to justify your own pride. Scary really scary and again listen to those those teachings i did on chuck baldwin if you're still on the fence i give you all the documentation too on what preterism is supersessionism replacement theology it's insane all right let's go further enemies flooding our border is the key to ushering in the new world order and this this relates to what we've been talking about okay so this is ann vandersteel they're interviewing her uh, regarding the subject of enemies flooding our borders, the key to ushering in the new world order. So just some really good points that are that are brought up here that, again, heavily relates to kind of what we're talking today with the Islam because they're part of this border incursion. They've been part of the border incursion for decades. And a lot of them have got in supposedly, you know, like legally as well. Um, they've been ushered in here. Because the job that they want them to do, which is this jihad, that's going to be part of, you know, most likely how they bring down America. And, you know, putting America under martial law, that type of thing. Um, so, anyway, let's go ahead and play this. 
to see the amount of illegal migrants coming across the Rio Grande, the signs of human smuggling, weapons trafficking, human trafficking, all of this danger, 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 cartels everywhere on the American side is really, really disconcerting. And it tells a story that Americans... Now, she's been on the border uh, observing this 100% with Michael Yan and, and these type. I mean, she's got, they go out there at night with their thermal imaging and they're seeing this stuff firsthand. Simply aren't being fed in the mainstream media. And what do you think is at the heart of this? Because it's, there's so many different layers to the issues. It's, it's this left versus right. And there's people that are pushing for, you know, look, America's a land of the free and the immigrants are welcome. And, but as you get deeper into it, you start seeing who's funding these operations. You start seeing how it ties into human trafficking, you know, child sex trafficking, drug smuggling, fentanyl coming, coming across the border. And it just seems like it goes deeper and deeper. And so in, in your experience and through your research, What's driving this? Like fundamentally, why is our border so open? And why are all of these immigrants, oftentimes many of them military-aged men, you know, ex-cons, et cetera, why are they just flooding into our country? What's behind this? The ultimate agenda is a new world order, one world government. The unofficial de facto what's driving the direction of the dissolution of the United States border. Fact, January 10th, 2023, Joe Biden, President Obrador of Mexico, and uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of Canada all signed the Declaration of North America, which ostensibly dissolved the borders between those three countries, recognizing those three countries into one region. And it's the language of diversity and equity inclusion is woven throughout that entire document, although it's only a couple of three, four pages the, uh, the necessary uh, need for migration and moving people and supposedly protecting the indigenous and the women and children, all the language they like to use, which as we have learned over time, Seth, really does stit, you know, project what they're never going to do. Anytime you have an agency or, or, a, or a proclamation or declaration of something that sounds great, expect the exact opposite. And we witnessed that time and time again on the southern border in Texas, as well as our trip down into the Darien Gap, into Panama, and along the Panama Canal. The United States government, your tax dollars, is funding human migration never seen before on a global scale. It is funding the degradation of women and children. It is funding the murder of women so that these children can be taken and housed in more government-funded, non-governmental organizations under the roofs carrying thousands of children. Organizations like MVM, which has its roots in the Secret Service and CIA, uh, SLS, and Southwest Key Programs, Catholic Charities. These are just a few of the NGOs that the United States government funds. Meanwhile, they fund down into the Darien Gap, into the jungle, these migrant encampments. You'll see U.S. flags everywhere. You'll see EU flags everywhere. The only reason you would see EU and U.S. flags deep in the jungle is if they are encouraging and are providing funding and support to bring these migrants into the United States with the expressed intent of destroying the republic for which we stand destabilizing our electorate so that perhaps if they lose the ability to use voting machines by some amazing circumstance, at this point, I don't see it happening, 
But if they were to be able to actually have a legitimate vote, they've now imported the voting electorate and are paying that same voting electorate every illegal $2,200 just for being an illegal alien in this country and juxtapose that to the American who has worked for 40 or 50 years or all their life paying into Social Security on average receiving $1,400. The inequity in all of this, the unfairness in all of this screams at so many levels right down to the American citizen and across to the woman who has been told from Ecuador or Venezuela or Iran that you're going to get a better life and it's going to be easier only to find out they're brought into forced labor, sex trafficking, or simply they don't have the skills for a job and now they're relegated to finding other people that they can live with in order to afford an apartment and an $8 cup of coffee. This is what Joe Biden's America is doing to our country and these are the lies that are being fed to the people who are being told you can come to America for a better life. Meanwhile, our better life is dissolving before our eyes as infrastructure and inner cities collapse and the funding to house these people just isn't there, which is why Eric Adams is making his presence known in the Darien Gap. I think a lot of it is kabuki theater, but it's also telling the truth. They're not going to fund these people because they want the collapse of the inner cities. They want the riots. They want these cities burnt down. They obviously can't get enough out of Antifa these days or Black Lives Matter. So now they're going to use... Uh, civil unrest from the very same people that were promised a better way of life. It's really just a tragedy what's unfolding right here in America. Today, what we're seeing is after we've lost our freedom of speech, censorship is rampant. They've been coming for our guns, and if they can't get our guns and they can't disarm us, they're going to force us into a bloody battle by mass immigration, mass illegal immigration. And this United States government is solely 1,000% responsible for everything that happens in these inner cities, as these immigrants show up, they really don't have uh, housing provisions available to them. Yes, they have $2,200 a month, which I would imagine is probably $2,200 more a month than they had before they got here. But the economy of scale doesn't translate to how to stretch that money. 2200 bucks a month in Guatemala would go a very long way for a very long time. It doesn't here in the United States. Inflation is out of control. The war on America, the war on freedom has been ongoing for a hundred years and it's coming to a head right now because if America doesn't understand that we can't afford to welcome in people that are portraying themselves as needing a better way of life. Let me tell you about some of the people I saw sat down while I was in Panama, for instance, because what I saw on the southern border were not um, people that were desperate for a better way of life. I saw a ton of human trafficking. I saw a lot of young young girls with a lot of young, young children and a lot of military-age men coming in with small children and Catholic charities right in the middle of it, Catholic charities acting as security guards on federal land, calling the police on us as we were trying to document what they were doing in the middle of the night at 2 o'clock in the morning, escorting these military age men with small young children with them, no women anywhere on site, not normal. And what else was tragic about all that documentation was that Customs and Border Protection are being asked and used by the federal government to chaperone these people right into the arms of human traffickers. The war is real between the federal government and the people, as well as the federal government and the state. We saw many times where federal government employees from Customs and Border Protection were cutting holes in fences, only to have uh, the Texas State National Guard come and repair. 
it's, it's as if this is a dance, a ballet that goes on day in and day out. It's full of hypocrisy and neither side is happy with what's happening. But yet, Seth, I don't see enough people standing up. And I'm starting to hear through the relationships I have in organizations like tacticalcivics.com where people are learning about citizen grand juries and how grand juries can actually not only indict people that are investigating, but they can also investigate the federal prosecutors that call the grand juries together because a lot of the times we're learning these federal prosecutors are partisan witch hunt hacks that are weaponizing the justice system and the grand juries to put away their political opponents. So we have a lot we need to atone for. We need to learn our fundamental constitutional rights and we need to stand up. And I'm glad to hear that there are organizations out there like tacticalcivics.com that are getting people together in chapters all over this country. I think we've got about one third of the counties already covered in less than a year. So I, 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 I'm hopeful, but I can tell you right now, we are going to go through a very, very, very difficult patch in this country because the infiltration, according to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick from Texas, is that at this current time, we have somewhere between 40 to 50 million illegals in this country. And if you don't think that we have a lot of people waiting for a dog whistle to activate in some form or fashion against the Americans and possible multi little 9-11 events or whatever, right. uh, why else are they doing emergency broadcast tests in such an organized fashion if they don't know something's coming? And last thought. Exactly. I'll and we're going to talk, if I can fit it in, we're going to do a brief segment on that uh if i could fit it in at the end of the study here on the emergency broadcast thing that happened before you pose the next question i'm aware of the fact that the federal emergency management association fema just had erected in the midwest a ham radio tower that has worldwide reach and this tower was erected in a record time in fact the contractor <clears throat> was explained that FEMA wanted this tower built before the end of the month. So that being said, what do they know that's coming? Why are multimillionaires building these uh, fallout, dugout, you know, uh, survival shelters to the tunes of millions of dollars per shelter? Why, why are they doing this so quickly and so rapidly? What do they know that we don't, Seth? Mass immigration, the, uh, what you're seeing through your FEMA contacts and the whistleblowers, do you think that there, there's some sort of event or series of events that are planned to disrupt, you know, to massively disrupt our way of life here in America to ensure that a normal election doesn't happen next year? I, I absolutely think there is something in the works. And it's probably at this point, Seth, I mean, if you look at all the ingredients we have, massive. What's a normal election? They're all rigged at this point. I mean, any kind of higher level, totally rigged. So, I mean, that ship is so sailed, you know, as far as any kind of election integrity. I don't mean all of them maybe on a local level, but come on. Whole thing about Biden beating Trump. And I'm, it's not because I'm for Trump or whatever, but come on. I mean, they talk about, the, oh, they've got to do this or that because Biden, they got to get Biden in again. Come on. They, they, they didn't need all. They didn't need that. They, they had enough to do whatever they were going to do with what they already had in place when when biden got in legal immigration we have a lot of disease coming in with these immigrants for instance multi-drug resistant tuberculosis is on the rise not only in texas but everywhere in the country because thanks to the world economic forum puppet of greg abbott he's pumped these illegals all over the country and when they couldn't get work in the inner cities they went into 
the agricultural communities for which most of them have experience. And that experience has translated zoonotic diseases like TB to be transferred to cattle, therefore slaughtering tens of thousands of herds of beef and dairy cattle, which is unnecessarily skyrocketing the price of beef. And we're seeing those price escalations now. So you're seeing supply squeezes, you're seeing trucking companies like Yellow Trucking, the largest uh, trucking company in the, in the country that even took a $750 billion loan last year from the federal government file for bankruptcy and close, kicking out thousands and thousands of truck drivers out of work. So our supply chain, we've seen our, our trains derail on the regular. We understand the Chinese are part of those attacks. I've reported on it. We're seeing the FBI cover this up. They're covering up anything they can when it comes to the food insecurity that we're facing, the national security threats that we're facing with these migrants, and of course, the health security of the migrants bringing in disease. So when you consider a perfect storm of cities that are overcrowded with migrants that don't have jobs that are bringing disease and food supply waning, the cities will be the first to go upside down. When you can't feed yourself or your baby, people will do whatever they need to do in order to survive. And when the cities burn down, these same people will move out into the suburbs and the cycle will continue because until we close the border, until we identify all these people and gather them up and send them back from where they came, oddly enough, a lot of these people, Seth, that came here for a better way of life, the skills they could have had applied into manufacturing jobs have been offshored to the countries from where they came. So it's a cruel joke on so many levels. And again, humanity is expendable to this global psychopaths from the World Economic Forum that are the puppet masters for the regime that we call our US government, which is nothing more than globalist uh, puppets for those that wish to see one world government. And they need America to collapse. They need the American people to beg for government help. And then let's also not discount the fact that the WHO, which now has control, Tedros, uh, uh, a Marxist dictator, if you will, of the World Homicide Organization, as Dr. Zelenko used to call the WHO, he really is in control of our congressional apparatus. And that's because Joe Biden signed over the authority of Congress to have anything to say or do against a pandemic treaty, which has really been called an agreement to circumvent the need for Congress to vote on whether or not they want to enter into a treaty with the world WHO. So we are in a very difficult position. There's clearly evidence of new pandemics on the horizon. They're already shipping Marburg test kits around the world to PCR tests, if, if you can believe it. And they're ready for the next episode. And they are if they cannot get us to heal with a migrant um, outbreak of some sort of civil unrest here, they'll bring it with a pandemic. And if the American people balk at that, and they're already starting to balk at the idea of masks and quarantines, they're waking up to the COVID threats and the and the and the fraud and the uh, bioterrorism they were subjected to. If they can't get us to heal with migration and illegal immigration, they're going to bring out the pandemic because they can't. Okay, and I've done several teachings on Marburg if, protocols and things of that nature, so you can just key that in at continuingforjuth.com. Um, okay, last last little report here. Todd Callender and Dr. Vallette, emergency broadcast tests and the spike in strokes the same day of the FEMA broadcast, uh, which is a statistical impossibility. Uh, let's go ahead and just play. It's about 11 minutes here. 
sounds nuts. We warn our friends, neighbors, and colleagues, then nothing happens, and then they point at us and call us conspiracy theorists when the science is clear. That's number one. Number two, what's to stop these people from doing testing in pockets? So, Todd, before I hit record, Todd said to me that there was a spike in strokes on Wednesday. That's Before right. I play this clip you just mentioned. Now, this about- is on that, I believe, on the fourth, the emergency broadcast. I got feedback from uh, some of my listeners saying that they did suffer whatever was going on that day. Um, maybe they were in a situation where they couldn't turn their phones off and that they were around other people that had their phones going off in, or in a work setting. They didn't have the luxury of of having all their devices put off, uh, turned off in, in blocker bags and that type of thing, which is what I I did, uh, Taylor and I both, and um, so I did get feedback that um, some of my listeners were adversely affected. Strokes and brain bleeds triggered with 5G tech and smart dust that's already in your body, friends. Tell me about that data. Was there truly a spike in strokes on Wednesday, the same day they did that FEMA broadcast? And so the answer is, yeah, it's a statistical impossibility that it wasn't related to that because at the very same time that was happening in our local population, three people suffered strokes at the same time from that from that very same period of time, that short period of time. And by the way, the other part to bear in mind is in this particular instance, we those of us that left the audio on those of us that, that measured these things, I'm not one of them. Yeah, you got the audio signal for a little while, but the test went on for at least 30 minutes, if not hours. So what stops them from transmitting the signals anytime they damn well please to is the problem that I've got. That's my concern. And by the way, doctor, if they did send um, a variety of signals uh, and release for sake of argument pathogens, what is the incubation period of those pathogens? Well, How when would we actually know? Let me ask one question yeah. before Doc responds. The other thing that strikes me, because when I had the TV on, there was a scrolling ticker that said right there at, you know, 122 Central Time, this is a FEMA broadcast emergency alert. It will go on for 30 minutes. There was a signal that I heard, but it was very, very brief. And then it returned essentially to the broadcast that was already on. Okay, let's say it was The View, because that's my favorite show. <laughs> Just kidding. And uh, so they returned to the normal television show. And that seemed to just about be it. I didn't hear any other signals. But what's to stop these people from broadcasting a frequency we can't hear? You know, like a dog can hear things we can't hear. How do we know that they weren't broadcasting a frequency that could potentially be nefarious that we didn't even hear? Human beings couldn't pick it up. Well, one of our team members that, that is in the group that Todd started actually did detailed testing and confirmed spike and pulsed frequencies. The other thing, let me just point out, the standard emergency broadcast testing that has gone on most of my adult life occurs for about a minute. Never in my lifetime have we had one that went on for at least 40 minutes based on the testing that several people in our group did with EMF meters Um, Colonel Marecki did an excellent video showing what was happening with three different cell phones. Um, One of my colleagues, a retired military master sergeant in Arizona, did his testing. And then Dr. Ralph Grams did his testing that he reported to all of us, Todd. And he had actual times of the pulsed 
frequency, higher frequency That's right. that was released. Now, added to that, we had other reasons that we needed to um, shut down some of the communications in my offices and my residence property. And the Wi-Fi was disconnected and disconnected from power. What was shocking to me was that this very reliable, good quality, Eero mesh Wi-Fi system that was put in place and working fine, the electronics were damaged by whatever took place on Wednesday. And I literally was dead in the water. I had no, no communication. The internet, the modem for the cable internet had to be reset by the company because it was affected in some way and they weren't getting a signal. The company Cox Cable was actually able to remotely get that working and reset remotely. remotely. <laughs> yes, yes, remotely. Okay. So they were able to get into the cable modem remotely and get a healthy signal back after the test. And then we never could get the the totally working Wi-Fi system on Tuesday. We could not get that operating. I literally had to replace all of the wow. Wi-Fi router and extenders that were covering about 7,000 square feet of space. Let me ask you this, doctor. Maybe it's a simple question or a simple answer, and I'm just too dense to figure it out. Okay, given that they, they could remotely turn your stuff on and off, given that they damaged all your equipment, given that you would have heard this signal for all of 10 seconds, what exactly is the point of the emergency broadcasting system going on for 30 minutes or more? You only heard 10 seconds. What is the rest of that? There for? is no point for it going on 30 minutes as far as I'm concerned. In Other fact, to damage your stuff. Well, I, or to I, do the I, testing. Can I make one clarification? So when I just mentioned a second ago that perhaps they were testing in pockets, what's to stop them? Yeah. I was actually thinking of 5G. I mean, this yes. FEMA broadcast event could have been taking place in parallel unity with a 5G test in pockets. And the reason I bring that up is because Mm -hmm. of the video Todd recommended we play. I'm going to play that in just one second. Nanoparticulate matter already in our bodies, 5G, and novel neuroweapons. For those who don't think this stuff exists, think again. Sadly, it does. Listen to this. Moreover, you heard earlier about the idea of nanoparticulate matter that can be utilized in a weaponizable way. And here, too, we're looking very, very strongly at what nanoparticulate matter can do to the nervous system. Some ongoing studies with our colleagues in the medical branches of NATO have, in fact, shown that the... This is a guy, some high-level dude, doing a presentation. I think this is before military. Stroke and brain bleed triggered with 5G technology and smart dust that is in your body. Um, And he's doing a slide presentation here of nanoparticulate matter in a scatter arrangement can be used to incur what looks to be broad-scale epidemiological stroke epidemics. So what we're able to do here is infiltrate the brain space with nanoparticulate matter that aggregates in situ, on site in the brain, and there's one of two things, either penetrates from the vascular space, gets in through the bloodstream, gets in through the nose, through the mucosa, 
or infiltrates the vascular space and clogs it. What is the result? What's called a nanoparticulate stroke or a hemorrhagic diathesis, fancy word, for it's a predisposition to individuals having brain bleeds. So he's openly discussing these weapons the government has that they can deploy against us. Demonstrated? Oh, absolutely. We're able to show animal models of same, and the Italian group has done a fair amount of work demonstrating that nanoparticulate matter can be highly disruptive, not only of brain vascularity, but brain function. You may not necessarily incur a stroke, but you're going to begin to disrupt the network properties of the brain, and as a result, engage something more of a long war's effect through the use of these types of matters, where you now begin to influence the population in increasingly concentric circles of expansion. Okay, that's so interesting. You've all probably all? seen the video. You've probably seen the video of the insects circling a cell phone. Yeah. Okay, here's yeah. the thing, guys. Here's what's so disturbing about that clip. And, Todd, help us flush this out. But uh, that man is describing a weapons system. And the good-hearted yes. Americans that might be listening are thinking, well, maybe they're using that technology against our adversaries. This, these are weapons of war <clears throat> to be used. No, the war is on the home front. The war is on the domestic right. home battlefield, and yeah. you, dear listener, are the enemy of these people. Right. Not necessarily this man specifically. Who's this guy talking, Todd? Well, he also happens to be um, Professor James Giordano. He's a University of George Washington professor, and he happens to be one of our government's favorite experts on everything. In fact, he also appears in the U.S. Army Combat Capabilities Development Command of yeah. Chemical Biological Center, Aberdeen Proving Grounds, and he's the guy that was part of the authoring of cyborg soldiers, super soldiers, and what would they do when you tell them? What are they, how are they going to react when you tell them this? Right. So he's so, and it's it's not just this. I mean, he is Mister Nanotechnology. What what kind of bothers me, Sean? He seems like a nice, affable guy, and he's telling everybody about all this kind of stuff. It shows how much he's doing this for a living. That he's perfectly comfortable about causing hemorrhagic brain malfunctions without the slightest bit of concern showing. Oh, yeah, yeah we can do this. Sure. No, thanks for correcting me. I think he's a Pentagon merc. That was sort of my sense when I was watching <laughs> yeah. this. I'm like, this guy's a mercenary for the Pentagon, but I'd heard you say yes. he was a professor, so I just, you know. He, well, he is, but they're the, are those well, mutually right. exclusive? Just like so many of those a, professors are in the pocket of the deep state. Yes, was course. he at Georgetown or George Washington? Oh, I think I think it actually is George Washington. Let me double check. But he's no, I'm just curious. Guy. I want to look he's, it up. It's uh, Georgetown. James Giordano. Um, yeah, Georgetown University, Washington yeah, okay. D.C. That's the guy. And he's well known. I mean, and he is a DARPA guy. So to your point, Sean, is he a merc or is he a scientist or is he a professor? All of the above. You know, <laughs> yeah. and like I said, he seems like a really affable guy. I've seen lots of videos of him, but he talks so matterly, factly mm -hmm. about these bioweapons, like it's. You know, it's an everyday thing. And for him, it probably is an everyday thing. This is just normal. Now, let me just clarify. So you saw a spike in strokes on Wednesday, and we'll see how that vets out over time. Perhaps um, there will be you, more data. Yeah, hospital increases. As we understand it, there, people are measuring that now. But how, Hospital visits at that time, yeah. But to be clear about the clip we just played, yeah. nanoparticulate matter already in our bodies, smart dust, yeah. and novel neuroweapons – you know, the title of that video suggested 5G was a component of this. I didn't hear him mention 5G, but that is a component to trigger this, right? And cause, he just said cause, you know. Yeah, it was a component of the title, but we only heard a tiny portion of the video. So he, I'm sure he got into that um, in, in, in the actual video itself. It's of strokes. Yes. Or a tsunami of strokes. That's what he said. And to change behavior of people, to change the behavior of people. Again, Operation Crimson Mist, Rwanda. That's right. Think about it, friends. Yep. That's right.
crazy. And look, anybody who says, you know, this zombie apocalypse is like at any given moment, any given second of any given day like that, they can do it. They've already done it, right? <laughs> we don't have to question. They, they already have the technology. They've already demonstrated the technology. Just as you said, Crimson Mist in Rwanda. This is not science. We talked about Crimson Mist in Rwanda last week in detail. This is science. They have the ability to do this any given moment of any given day. Okay. So, again, that goes on for quite a bit longer. I just wanted you to hear that just to kind of do a follow-up update on the whole event that went on on the 4th. And, and again, I wasn't saying that there's going to be some zombie apocalypse on the 4th. But what we're talking about is what are they staging? What, were they beta testing? Were they doing different things in different areas? Um, were they doing it to see how many people have their phone turned off because they can monitor those types of things? So anyway, that's all I have for today. I had another video, but there's no way I can squeeze that in. So God bless you, and Lord willing, we will see you in the next audio. Scott Johnson's 1,000 plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N- T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, number 321, Hickory, NC, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.